2: to <laughs> do
1: Revolutionary War Veterans Association The Revolutionary War Veterans Association Is dedicated to bringing you the absolute best Fundamentals of Rifle marksmanship Program in the United States today I mean the absolute best No one does it like we do No one really does it at all And we have worked hard to make sure that we have our craft down We have our trade down And uh, no matter what your skill level is if you come to an Appleseed uh, two-day rifle marksmanship weekend, uh, you're going to get uh, your money's worth and more because we're going to teach you all of the all of the skills and techniques handed down to us from 500 years of uh, firearms usage. And not only that, you're going to get some information that maybe you didn't get uh, anywhere else. Maybe you didn't get it in public school. Maybe you haven't heard it. Maybe you didn't know that April 19th, 1775 was the day our nation began. It wasn't July 4th. That was when we declared independence. But our nation actually began on April 19th, 1775. That's when men and women stood together in ranks to fight for their freedoms, fight for their liberties. And this occurred at Lexington Green at the North Bridge in Concord and along Battle Road back to Boston. You're going to hear about this. You're going to hear about the ideas that uh, that the founders had for this nation. And you're going to hear about the folks involved in April 19th, who they were, what they did, why they did it, and what you should be doing today. You know, I, I talk to you guys all the time about <clears throat> the sacred responsibility that each and every one of you have, each and every one of us have to maintain the freedoms and liberties that living in this nation affords us and it's no easy burden Uh, the responsibility that you have is a sacred one and it's a non-delegatable responsibility you can't say well I'll just uh, I'll just let my mom or my dad take care of that they're they're kind of involved in what's going on in the nation I'll I'll let them I'm sure that they'll do the right thing and they'll make the right decision or I'll let, my, uh, I'll let my buddy do it. He seems like he knows what he's doing whenever he does, stuff like that, when he talks about uh, the government or our rights or our freedoms. or, Or better yet, how about if I let my senator or congressman take care of it? That's their job, isn't it? I mean certainly I can trust them to look out for my best interest, can't I? <laughs> we know where that road goes, so it's certainly – it's your responsibility. It's your sacred responsibility to ensure that you're maintaining the freedoms and liberties that living in this nation affords you and that you are continuing on in the same tradition as the Founders so that the nation that you leave for those who come after, and all of us are invested in this somehow, I want to leave a better nation for my daughters, for my Grandkids, my great grandchildren, for the for the millions of Americans who I'll never meet, just yeah. like the founders did for us. Uh, you can I can bet it's a certainty that uh, Franklin and Jefferson and Hancock. Uh, you never met any of them, right? You've got no ties to them, and yet they did. They risked everything that they had in order that you can have the freedoms and liberties that you have today. So this is a bit of what you're going to be finding out at Napleseed two-day rifle marksmanship weekend. You're going to get uh, a rock solid foundation in rifle safety. You're going to be taught uh, the full set of fundamentals for rifle marksmanship. That's going to, no matter where you go on your rifle marksmanship uh, path, you're going to need these this is not the basics this isn't the bullet goes out of this end and the this end goes against your shoulder and and don't get them mixed up this is these are the skills and techniques that you'll need no matter where you're shooting or why you're shooting if you're going to uh... if you're going to hunt game then you need this uh... just as much as the high power shooter or the military marksman So. <clears throat> Uh uh-huh. so you want to find out how to get to an event because we host uh, an event every weekend somewhere uh, in the United States at a location within a reasonable driving distance to you is a rifle marksmanship weekend every single weekend of the year within a reasonable driving distance of you is an Apple Appleseed two-day rifle marksmanship event and when I say reasonable driving distance I mean a reasonable driving distance and of course that's different more different from some people than others but my first event I drove uh, I guess about sixteen seventeen hundred miles one way <clears throat> so I think anything under that is fairly reasonable and you're gonna find events a lot closer than that now so in order to find one, you can go to rwva.org. That's our home page. On the home page, there's a list of tabs across the top. Look at the second one from the left. It will say Apple Seed. Put your cursor on that. You'll go to drop-down menu. On the drop-down menu, select Scheduled. That will take you to a page that will show a map of the United States. Put your cursor on the state where you would like to uh, attend an event. Click on that, and it will give you a listing of the events held uh, Uh, for the year in that state. Now, if you live near a uh, state border and you want to see other states' events or you want to see what's going on all across the United States, in the text above the map, there's a hot link. You can click on that. Once you've decided where you'd like to attend an event, and when I I say once you've decided, what I mean is don't think about attending an event. Don't uh, don't think the, about it like this would be something this is something I should probably do someday because sometimes folks lives are filled up with things that they should have done things that they wish they would have done and don't let this be one of those make this an event that you uh, you make sure that you attend <clears throat> so when you look at the uh, event page and you find the one you'd like to attend there's two hot links to the right one of those says uh, event information that'll take you to the event information page that'll give you the location who's running the event where it's going to be held contact information and any additional information state laws etc and then right beside that one is another one that says register that's so you can pre-register to attend the event now uh, i'm not going to tell you that uh, if you don't pre-register that uh, that the event's going to sell out and you're not going to make it. There's a, there's a good chance that you'll be able to do a walk-on. but It's going to cost you 10 bucks more, and you do run the chance of the event being sold out uh, before you go there. Plus, it helps us. We're doing hundreds of events every year. I mean, uh, every month now. Every year. That was many years ago that we're doing 100 events in a year. We're doing hundreds of events every month now. And... Uh, it helps us to know how many people are going to be at a certain location because we have to schedule thousands of uh, instructors to to make sure that they are getting to the event, uh, hotel reservations, airlines, rental cars. We have to have gear shipped out to each of the events, porta-potties, et cetera. And there have been several occasions where we've had events that were sold out. And because we knew that they were sold out ahead of time, We were able to secure additional uh, line space at a location either at that event or, uh, you know, somewhere in that town. But I can guarantee you that if we don't know that it's going to be sold out, we're not going to do that, all right? So do yourself a favor and help us out by pre-registering for the event. All right. This is uh, the last show of 2011. It seemed like it just flew by uh, in one way. And uh, I was talking to uh a respiratory pop today on the phone, and we were talking about how time seems to spin by, uh, and it really spins by in Appleseed, because it almost seems like uh, Appleseed years are like dog years, that... Uh, you know for every year an apple seed it seems like uh... it seems almost like seven years long and uh... <clears throat> the things that have occurred um semi-recently like six months ago almost seemed like it was uh... was years ago and uh... and it's been a great year and uh, we've been growing at an amazing rate there's never been an organization like this that has grown at this rate and certainly there is a lot of uh, there's a lot of glitches when you when an organization grows so fast when the membership grows so fast and then when when you're running so many people through the program when you're spreading the message at such uh, a fantastic rate <clears throat> then uh, there's going to be stuff that goes on But we've had a fantastic year. Next year is going to be even better. And uh, we'll start off the radio show's new year with uh, Dr. David Hackett Fisher. Dr. Fisher is a Pulitzer Prize-winning author of Washington's Crossing. And he's written uh, a great many books, including Albion Seed uh, and uh, Champlain Dreams and, of course, the Appleseed Project uh, unofficial textbook, which is Paul Revere's Ride. Now, you guys uh, have read Paul Revere's Ride, so you know there uh, there is no greater detailed book on the events of April 19, 1775 than Paul Revere's Ride by David Hackett Fisher. And when he wrote Washington's Crossing, he did uh, the exact same uh, fantastic job and certainly it was good enough that it won a Pulitzer Prize for him. And uh, I've spoken to him on the phone uh, several times lately, and uh, we had a a great conversation uh, yesterday, and he's doing a lot better. He has got past his his illness, and he's back on track. And for a man who is – Well, he's got to be uh, 75 or so. He's really traveling at full speed. And he's uh, excited to come on the show, and we're going to be talking about Washington's crossing and the uh, battles of Trenton and Princeton, the first battle of Trenton, the second battle of Trenton, and the battle of Princeton, and the effect it had on the American Revolutionary War because it was a pivotal moment in history. Without these battles, uh, there's a good chance that, the american revolutionary war uh... may have uh... it may have spun off it may have uh... they may have died but because they made the battle because washington decided to make this uh... this tremendously risky uh... gamble and take his small force and attack at uh... trenton and then again at uh... trenton and princeton it changed the course of the war and it reinvigorated the american revolutionary war cause and we went on to win now there wasn't uh it wasn't a speedy win as you know this was an eight long bloody years and uh, but without the the victories at the battle of trenton and princeton we may well have uh, have run out of gas there at the very beginning. And we're going to tell you why, we're going to explain uh about those. And we're also going to talk about the the uh forage war that continued on after the Battle of Trenton and Princeton. The forage wars of 1777. So make sure you put that on your calendar to tune in uh on January, I believe it's January 5th. Uh it's posted on the uh on the show schedule. <clears throat> so make sure that you're uh make sure that you have that on your schedule and you're ready to tune in for that. Now I got something real quick that I want to try for you guys. I want you to uh I want you to listen closely to the phone and I'm going to uh I'm going to work the action on three different firearms. And uh The first person to call in with the correct firearms in the correct order uh, will get a free Appleseed certificate. You guys will be able to attend an Appleseed event free. That's a uh, $70 value. Or you can give it, uh, if you're already an instructor or already a member, you can uh, very easily uh, hand that off to uh, one of your buddies and get them to come to an event. All right? So I'm going to set the phone here. I'm going to work the action one at a time on each of these uh, firearms, and you're going to tell me what it is. I'll do the I'll do the action a couple of times for each one, and then you're going to tell me what it is. Be sure and uh, write it down so you get it in the correct order. All right, here we go. Here's the first one. was the first one. Here's the second one. That was the second one. I'm doing each one three times. Here's the third one. of them that can be either a rifle or a shotgun. You guys uh write down what you think it is and then you can uh, you can call in and uh, and give me your give me your guesses as to what it is. All right? The number is 347 308 347 nine zero <clears throat> and uh this is the time of the show too where you guys call in and and uh we let you get on the phone and tell your local crews thank you for uh for the work that they're doing. Congratulate them on uh shooting to rifleman standards on passing any of their progress checks uh, on uh getting a red hat or a green hat or doing promotional work whatever it is. But you guys are welcome to call in and uh and give your local crews thanks. And if you have a uh a commercial venture that you are working on, then you're also uh you're also welcome to call in and let us know what that is and uh, we'll try and get you on the air and get you some uh Get you some uh, promotion for it, and uh, folks at Blog Talk, I'm I'm not charging any for the anything for this. I'm doing this free of charge as a uh, benefit to our Appleseed brothers and sisters. All right, so the number three four seven three zero eight eight seven nine zero. Now, also coming up in the uh, this coming this next year is uh, I mentioned this to you guys this last last Thursday is. <clears throat> The benefit that we're doing—it's the Appleseed Battle Road and a Top Shot benefit. Uh, the guys from the uh, History Channel Top Shot are going to go, be going to come to the uh, the Battle Road Shooting Center here in Texas, in DeVilla. This is the uh, the Texas Top Shots, and we're going to be running a uh, mini Appleseed, and uh, then they're going to be doing some—I'm uh, sure—some demo or some exhibition shooting. And uh, we're going to donate the proceeds from this to the Wounded Warrior Program, all right? Now, we'll probably need some help with this as far as uh, uh, folks to help run it as RSOs and uh, uh, and uh, additional instructors, et cetera. So if you'd like to get involved with this, then contact uh, Kirk Wheeler, Spitstickler uh on the forum because uh, – Kirk is ramrodding this event for us. He's doing a great job, as always. And uh, if you'll contact him and let him let him know that uh, you'd like to help out, this will be going on in June of 2012. But it will be the folks, the Texas uh, folks from the History Channel Top Shot, and then uh, also sponsored by Appleseed and Battle Road Shooting Center. Uh-huh. So that will be coming up in June. Uh, All right. Uh, You guys know that uh, later on, uh, in just a few minutes, we're going to have the uh, casting producer from the uh, Raw TV reality show company that does uh, uh, it's the Raw Television Company, United Kingdom, and uh, Cheyenne Dillenberger will be on the show to talk to you about their the uh possibility of going to a casting of uh or an audition for the show. Uh I'm not going to even uh try and uh, tell you what uh what anything anything is about for it because uh, she's going to be in the show and she'll she'll do all that. <clears throat> but they've done uh, uh several of the uh Reality shows that uh, you see here, such as uh, Locked Up Abroad and uh, Gold Rush, and then uh, quite a few other uh, shows, I think, for BBC or, or BBC America, and uh, she'll be on in just a few minutes. So uh, I'm sure you guys will be uh, excited to to see your chances uh, or to listen for uh, advice on how to uh, get your chance to audition uh for a reality show and a call screener you are asking when she's calling i, I believe she's going to call in sometime at uh right around seven thirty or so so uh so she'll be in in just a few minutes and
3: uh and
1: also we would like uh we would like for you guys that uh if you have any announcements to make for the new year, then uh, you're also welcome to call in. We've got a uh, caller on the phone now. I don't see I don't see any information posted, but I'll go ahead and put you on. Area code two zero seven. You're on the air. I am. That's it. Good Who's that? old
0: guide, Maine.
1: Well, oh, hey old guy. How are you doing?
0: Oh, pretty good.
1: You guys got, got any got snow yet for you?
0: What's that? You got any snow yet? We've had snow. We lost it all uh, last Thursday. We had a heavy rain. We lost it. We've got cold, frozen ground. No snow.
1: So you're calling in with guesses. All right, let's hear it.
0: Okay, the first one I figure is a pump action,
1: the second a lever action,
0: and the third a bolt action.
1: Uh, How about this? I'll tell you this much: you got the third one right.
0: Okay. All right. I'll make it easier for the next guesser. <laughs> uh,
1: you got the third one right, and you mentioned one of the right ones uh, in the uh, before the third one. So okay. I'll give I'll give folks that many. How's everything going in Maine? Everything
0: is going great in Maine. We got. Uh generate a few new uh, orange hats last month, and uh, actually early this month. And uh, we've got some new ranges coming on. We'll more than double our shoots for 2012. And uh, it's going good. We're well, not lead it. on a 400-yard range.
1: Well, that's good because you guys don't have uh, very much of the actual distance here, do you?
0: Uh, we've got one range that we haven't been able to they, they shoot all the time. They they don't want to displace their shooters to have a, a different event, which they see as a competing event. So uh, that that's probably not going to be a uh, possibility this year unless we can get a couple of their members to come to an apple seed and fall in love.
1: Well, but, I've noticed uh, that on quite a few ranges. It's very hard yeah. to get folks to, uh, especially if the range only has one actual distance area. Because yep. you know we have to close down the range for appleseed to use it, and the folks are very reluctant, uh, especially around the the larger cities here in Texas. There's only a few ranges that have actual distance, and they don't want to close yep. them down, right, for a weekend because they've got their you know regular clientele that attend, and uh, yep. and we're still riding the uh, the Obama greatest uh, arms salesman. Uh, in the history of America wave and folks yep. are still going to the range. Now I told the, the directors that that uh the uh the rangers and I said, Hey, you know, you know how Americans are. They they're going to forget about uh about why they bought the rifles and they're gonna stop coming and we'll be there every month, but uh, they're still reluctant to uh, to give us the ranges, so yeah. we'll just have to wait. Well, I'm good deal for you guys on on getting one, and I hope it comes well, through. I'll,
0: and I... I found this gravel pit. It's it's nice level ground. We'd have to build a uh, an outhouse, which is a lot cheaper than renting a, a porta potty. But uh, right. I I own a backhoe, so that's not a problem.
1: <laughs> well, you know, I've done that here in Texas because. I was getting tired of having to put up with the uh, the shenanigans of the uh, porta potty folks, and yep. uh, finally I said, "That's it. I'm just gonna I'm gonna build my own." I built a a, a huge, sturdy uh, outhouse, and uh, and we've been using it for the last two years, and it's been working fine. We've been saving the organization a couple of grand by now on it, and uh, yep. and it works just great.
0: Yep. Well, this one's gonna be a, a big handicap accessible pretty. <laughs> but uh we've got we've gotta to talk to a few family members to see if uh, this is gonna go. But uh okay. we've got a real gentle slope going up, big safe backstop. I mean it's like a mountainside of a backstop. It was an old commercial gravel pit that's not being used anymore. And we can trim the bushes and uh we can have 25-meter uh, meter range, we can have 100, 200, 300, 400 meters. You might be able to get 500. I, I haven't measured that yet.
1: Well, that's excellent. You got anybody that you want to say thanks to there in uh, in Maine or anywhere in the United States right now?
0: Well, I'd like to say thanks to uh, Sean O, who got Maine started. He's still kicking, and he's still working. He comes to every shoot that he can.
1: Well, excellent. And I want to thank uh, uh, Jimmy in New Mexico again. He sent us uh, uh, some more word on his, uh, the uh, Christmas for the troops and uh, uh, they're still going strong. Folks are still uh, uh, folks are still getting the gifts and they are very, very happy with them and we're very thankful that we've got folks like Jimmy in the program. And uh, for you guys that don't they don't know what I'm talking about, we have uh, Jimmy out in New Mexico, uh, Desert Eagle. And uh, he has uh, been running a program called Christmas for the Troops. And he put together 2,500 care packages for the troops and sent them a great uh, assortment of things that they really needed including uh uh a special run of knives from uh, Smith and Wesson and he put in some AQTs and uh red coats for the troops and they're going to shoot them uh, there in Afghanistan and then they're going to send us pictures of them uh, shooting them hopefully some of them will shoot to rifleman standards and we'll send them a, a patch there in Afghanistan oh. so I want to thank him anybody else that uh, you'd like to uh, give a shout out to Oh, uh, guy.
0: Yeah, uh, Tom in Connecticut. Tom uh, is our state coordinator for Maine because we don't have one, and uh, he drags it up uh, his old truck up here to Maine and comes to every shoot. And he's been doing it for two years, at least, and uh, you know he's he keeps our program going.
1: Well. Excellent, and uh, and I hope that the the new uh, instructors and in training that you guys have in the in the pipeline. I hope you guys get them uh, up to speed quickly, and keep getting uh, additional folks to volunteer to become uh, uh, instructors, so that uh, the program can continue to grow in Maine. What about uh you know that uh uh we have the guests coming on in a little while to talk about uh, uh the uh, reality T V show casting call. Do <clears throat> you have any folks there or are you yourself interested in uh in uh, auditioning for a reality show?
0: I'm not but I think I know one that might be.
1: <laughs>
0: okay. okay, I, I well I, I had not heard about this before. But this is a new orange hat that we've got in Maine. And uh, she lives about a mile and a half out in the woods, and there is no road going there.
1: All right. Well, be sure and get the information down. Listen, uh, I'm going to take another caller. Oh, God, thanks. Thanks. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year to you. You're welcome. All right. Take care. Yep. All right. All right. A code 917. You're on the air? Hey,
3: it's Cheyenne from Raw Television. How are you?
1: Oh, hi Cheyenne. I didn't know that was uh I didn't see that that was your number. I was looking for a different number.
3: Oh, I'm sorry about that. I'm calling from my cell phone. Is this okay?
1: That is excellent. Uh folks, I want to uh I want to welcome you to uh Cheyenne Dillenberger, who is the casting producer for uh raw television uh united kingdom is that right
3: yeah that's correct i'm actually in the new york office but the uh raw was founded uh in the uk so their main office is in london but i'm working out of new york um on this new project so um yeah i'm happy to be on the show and uh really excited to talk a little bit about what we've got going on
1: all right well welcome to the show and uh and let everybody know what's going on. I, I kind of uh all I did was just give them uh who you were and that you're coming on cuz that's about all I knew. So give us a uh give us the, the spiel on what's going on.
3: Well, I will do my best. Um and Merry Christmas. Thanks for for uh scrambling to have me on this week. I know it's a busy week for for most folks. So um I'm happy to to be on the on the program. Um so basically Raw Television again is a production company based out of London originally, but now um, also in New York. And uh, we make um, a couple shows that people might be familiar with. Um, One of them is uh, Locked Up Abroad, which is on the National Geographic Channel. And then there's another one that's called Gold Rush Alaska, which is on the Discovery Channel. Um, And that's, I believe, in its second season. Um, That's just uh, started a few uh, weeks ago. So, uh, you know, I don't know if anyone's familiar with those shows, but those are those are ours. And we're actually working on a new project, which is what I'm working on. And the new project is really uh, – it's for one of uh, the major U.S. cable networks. Um, it's in the early stages, so we're not really at liberty to say which one it is at this point. Um, but it's one of the ones that uh, is, is a major one. And they're, you know, they're looking for something that's – it's kind of in response to, to – how well uh, Gold Rush has done and some, you know, viewer, viewers writing in asking for more of this type of show. And if anyone who's you know, isn't familiar with Gold Rush, it's about a group of guys um, who, you know, moved up to Alaska to start prospecting and really, you know, have learned the hard way how tough it actually is and, um, you know, are really trying to make a go of it because other, you know, things that they had tried to do in their life didn't work out for them. Um, You know, they were facing (laughs) unemployment, and uh, (laughs) so they decided, you know, in the face of uh, this uh, economic hardship, they were just going to kind of, you know, hey, there's gold up there. Some people are finding it, and they went up for it. So, um, you know, we're actually looking for somebody who's got a similar mindset in a way, people who are, uh, you know, not content to just kind of do the status quo and, you know, you know, work to live in the house, to pay for the gas, to drive to work, to, you know, that whole thing, and are actually interested in leaving that kind of lifestyle behind, going off-grid, as some people call it, going off into, you know, a a more rough terrain or a pioneer-style existence, and really starting a new type of life. So that's who we're looking for. That covers a lot of territory and a lot of different interests and terrain, of course, So at this point, it's really early stages, and we're just looking for people who might be interested um, in talking to them and then kind of seeing what stories are out there.
1: Right, and I told my wife about this, and I have uh, five young daughters, and uh, I told my wife about it uh, just as a joke, telling her that that we've been selected to do this. And uh, I thought she was going to – in my mind, I was waiting for her to – uh, to blow a fuse because she's already uh we live out in the middle of nowhere and she's already upset that uh that it's an hour to get to uh any kind of a restaurant or any kind of a uh anything to get a big mac uh, <laughs> so she wasn't really I figure she wouldn't be happy about that but she was uh she was saying she thought it was a great idea now my daughters of course each one of them they did blow a fuse but uh, uh it just makes me uh it just makes me kind of wonder because you've got the folks that <clears throat> that uh you said that they they tried other different things uh in their regular lives and they decided well Instead of doing one of these things that we're doing here, let's try the most difficult thing imaginable, which is to move <laughs> to Alaska and live and live off the land and find gold. That should be easy, right? I know, right? <laughs> well, you know, I don't want to
3: speak for those guys, um, and I don't want to give away the show too much, but, you know, they were, at the, they were at their wit's end. They were facing really bad unemployment, things in their lives. It just, you know, they didn't really have another choice. Um, they felt, and, you know, the truth of the matter is that, you know, there are people making money doing this. There are claims out there um, that need to be worked, and, uh, you know, it's an interesting program. It, You know, they, I think um, their first go at it was, was definitely uh, different than they expected, of course, and they faced a lot of challenges, and, and they're, you know, it's the season that's on right now. um you know you see that they've learned a lot, and they're you know a- approaching it in a different way and you know yeah, it did seem to a lot of people it did seem a little bit uh a little bit out there, but you know um modern technology and uh you know they're not you know they're not panning for gold it's you know they have excavators and that sort of thing um but it you know for them it it did get to the point where they felt like it was an extreme and almost dramatic decision um
1: but absolutely
3: it felt like the right choice because, it, you know, if it did work out, um, you know, they knew what would happen if they stayed, which is, you know, facing this unemployment. You know, they, they right. knew that it was going to be dire straits. And if they left, you know, at least there's a chance that if they they stumbled upon, you know, <laughs> so, I mean, but that's, you know, that says a lot about, that does say a lot about, you know, you know, and I'm sure everyone feels differently about this, but it says a lot about the, the economic climate in the country today. And, you know, that is true.
1: It sounds like you're trying to make it sound like a really smart, rational decision, Cheyenne. <laughs> well, <laughs> we are on television now, so they have got that going for them. Uh,
3: yeah, and exactly. I know those. And I have to say, I will say, I don't know those guys personally. I don't work on that show, so I don't want to speak for them. So I really – um, this is a different project, and uh, but I do understand it. You know, I do understand if you've got nothing going for you and you don't have a job and there are no jobs and you get this opportunity to go, you know, and there are for sure, definitely, and you'll see on the show, people are, you know, making various amounts of money um, and there are ways to approach it to, to make it a little bit more practical, which they've learned now. Um, you know, it could be a good option for some people who, well, I, I think, I think so. you're
1: absolutely right. I think it would be an excellent option. I think that anybody who had that chance presented to them, I think it would be an absolutely fantastic option. Because anytime you're faced, uh, you're faced with trouble or you're faced with uh, uh, economic hardships, et cetera, I think the very best thing you can do is to is to say. Uh, I'm going to challenge myself ultimately. I'm going to put all my chips in. I'm going to go for broke because that's the spirit of this nation. That's the spirit that it takes to win. Nobody's going to get anything. Nobody's going to make it anywhere by surrendering, uh, by giving up. You you can never snatch victory from the jaws of defeat if you surrender. It's never going to happen. Uh, so I think that they made excellent choices. I think that And uh, I
3: really Yeah, I really do agree with that. I feel like You know, it's all about being proactive and when the things that, you know, you, I think for them, and, again, I don't want to speak for them, but from, you know, the way I interpret the situation and the way that I, you know, feel about it, it really is if you play by the rules and you do everything you're supposed to do to get this certain life and then all those rules get thrown up in the air and it doesn't work like that anymore, you know, you really, it is a challenge to be proactive and to say, you know, what can I do to have the life that I want to have, you know, this, everything has been turned upside down, and this isn't the way it's supposed to go, but, you know, in the face of that adversity, um, you know, how do I move forward, and I think, you know, part of that spirit is what we're looking to capture in this new project, which is really just, again, about talking to people who are doing things that might inspire other people who are watching, um, might be things that people, it's really, for us, and, and it's really exciting, the the most fun for me, the most fun part of the job is really, you know, I sort of – I know very generally what I'm looking for, but it's really all about talking to people and finding stories to tell. Um, And so we don't really know, you know, what the show is going to be because it's all going to be based on who is interested and who comes to us and who is willing to tell their story. So, you know, at this point it's really exciting and interesting because we just start getting these emails rolling in, um, you know, where people are saying – you know, things that I never even imagined people would be doing. But, it you know, it's like they're, you know, we're going to go do this and we're going to go do that, and this is our plan. And, you know, I think it's really, um, it's the best part of the job for me because it really is all about telling those stories of real people. So, um, you know, we, we can take, you know, a second now just to tell people if anyone's interested in listening in, the best way to start the process, um, to start the dialogue well, with us is to email What are,
1: what are you looking for? And it, it, Are you looking for someone who is already uh like living in a pioneer fashion living off the land or, or are you looking for somebody who says, hey that's that's what I always wanted to do or or somebody who knows what they're doing or somebody who is going to uh who's going to be uh, uh like the dramatic uh, implosion uh on the show
3: um, a little bit all of the above I have to say um, again it's really early stages we often call this um, the fishing trip part of the of the process which is where we just talk to everyone who we can get our you know get a hold of and anyone who's interested um, because the direction of the show can really change based on who we meet and who we find out about um, I will say um, I'll just go through the categories someone who's already uh, you know living off-grid or living, um, just a different sort of lifestyle, you know, has left the rat race and is doing something else. We'd love to hear from those people. Though um, so for the show, it'd be really great if you had something that was going on in the next, you know, six months to a year, whether that be, you know, building a new project, having people coming to join you out on the property that you're living in, something so that, you know, if we go and film with you, it's a little bit going on, um, you know, in a <laughs> something interesting other than, you know, you know, today I'm going to make breakfast, and then, you know, take it from there. Um, so if, you have, if you're if you already out there, we'd still love to talk to you, um, you know, especially if you have some some plan or some goal that you're working towards. Um, if you are, you know, still uh, a dreamer and you've just kind of started thinking about this kind of uh, move, you're reading the forums and the message boards, you're watching some of the programming that deals with this subject matter, um, if it something you've looked into, however seriously or not, whether you're, you know, looking at land or you're just really kind of fantasizing about it, we'd love to talk to you as well, especially um, because that's really interesting for us to be able to follow someone as they, you know, do the process from start to finish. Um, And anyone else, you know, people who really know how to do this and know that they could survive um, off-grid because they've done it before or because they have extensive training. We'd love to talk to those folks as well just because, you know, again, it's all about finding the story and finding where that is. It's almost kind of like, a, you know, it's, it's almost like an investigation or, or journalism in a way because we really we don't know what's out there until we hear from everyone. So, you know, we really rely on everyone um, who's interested to kind of tell us what we should be making the show about. Um which again is the the best part for me um to talk to everyone
1: so this is this is the part that you really enjoy well of course, this is your uh you as the casting producer will will pretty much set the uh the pace for the show right I mean because if it's gonna be the folks that you select that are going to make up the body of the show, which will then determine what the show is going to what it's going to do.
3: Yeah, and I, you know, I will say I, I, am the front line for sure. But I work with a small team. Um, there's three of us all together, and we are. Um, I, I can just walk everyone through the process. Um, so anyone who's interested should email uh, us. Um, the email, and I'm sure we'll repeat it a million times, is casting at rawtelevision.co.uk, and all of those emails go directly to me. Um, So I'll write back as soon as I get that and let the person who sent it know that I got it. And uh, then we'll start a conversation. We have a questionnaire um, that we're having people fill out. We we do a quick phone call. And from there, it's really just kind of, you know, gauging interest, hearing what the story is. Um, At a certain point, I'm going to present everyone that I talk to to my boss. Um, And, and again, further down the line, the network uh, that is going to, you know, end up broadcasting the show – will get involved in, in actual the final decision. So I am the first line, but it's kind of a long process uh, to actually make it to air. But, again, it's sort of, you know, it could be a really great experience for whoever ends up on air. Um, you know, I think it's just a really great way to get a point of view across, a story told. Um, and, again, you know, just you know to, to – Entertain people, but also to inform people about a different point of view or a lifestyle, or you know something that they didn't know necessarily was out there. So I think that it can be, you know, really. Again, it's it's exciting for me, and I really I really do enjoy this process. Well,
1: let me give the let me give the uh, the email again. Out. It's and uh, call screener. If you will put this in uh, to the uh, chat room too, it's casting c a s t i n g at Raw television, one word, r a w t e l e v i s i o n dot c o dot u k.
3: Yep, Passing and the
1: reason is television dot co dot uk. Uh, go ahead, giant.
3: Yeah, I just wanted to say again, the reason that it's dot um, co dot uk is because our home base is in London, so it's that's how they do the emails over there. So that's um, that's why it's kind of a weird. It's not a dot com. Um, But, yeah, those all go right to me. And, yeah, again, I'll email you back when I get them, and we'll just kind of take it from there. And, you know, it's a pretty transparent process. It's really just about having, you know, starting those conversations with people and hearing what um, they're up to and what they're interested in what's out there. Uh, You know, I've already talked to some families living off-grid in Alaska who, you know, fly to Anchorage maybe twice a year, and that's the only time that they are in town, as they call it. Um, you know, I've talked to people down south who, uh, you know, have some land that they they call themselves preppers and they're, you know, um, kind of forming communities for, you know, just in case there's some sort of uh, disaster where they know that they can go. Um, yeah, So it's all these things and I'm sure that there are more, that are, you know, more stories out there that I can't even imagine. So, you know, that's why I really would love to hear from all of your listeners and anyone that they know of, uh, you know, feel free to pass this along, because, um, again, it's really, this is what I'm here for, is to hear from everyone.
1: Well, I'm sure that uh, <laughs> I'm sure that uh, uh, my family, uh, I'm sure that they wish that that we weren't uh, living in the middle of nowhere. I'm sure that all my girls wish they were living there, uh, you know, right down the block from you in New York, uh, well,
3: I have to say, I didn't grow up in New York. I am originally from a little bit in the middle of nowhere, Vermont. So, <laughs> Oh, really? I, just, I actually just came from there. So, yeah, we got snowed in. Uh, it's, let's see, yesterday we got snowed in. We were supposed to get an inch, and I think we got, in some places, I, I heard 16 inches, so that's always fun. Um, but we uh, made it back to the city today, uh, my husband and I. But, yeah, I know I try to... Grew up on top of a mountain and uh,
1: somehow made it to
3: Brooklyn. I don't. <laughs> My parents uh, still don't know how that
1: happened. But well, you know, I think that a lot of people don't uh, realize. You know, they think of a a movie or a TV show or something like that, and they don't realize the what a team effort it is because they think that uh, there's just one person that is cracking the whip and and where from all uh, creativity flows. But you know, I used to work. Uh, uh, before I ended up uh, in the middle of nowhere uh, as a prepper, then I I also did a television and video and stuff like that, and I was really surprised the first time I did a feature film uh, how much input a lot of the folks have, even just the guy who does the storyboard, because uh, he'll write out the storyboard, you know, he'll draw what he envisions, what the director what the director tells him, he'll draw out the uh, the characters and what the scene should look like uh, from his point of view, and a lot of times that's that's what ends up being put up there is what the guy, the artist who does the storyboard, uh, what you know he kind of determines a lot of what goes on, and uh, the casting the folks who do the casting, you know they put together the the actors who are going to become the the ensemble uh, of performers for the show and uh, it's a. It's just a. Uh, a really, like you said, a team effort to get some of to get a, a program up and running, and especially if we're going to have a uh, successful one.
3: Absolutely, and I think again, it's just it's such a. It can be such a fun process because you know you're really you're you're starting with nothing. You know what I mean. You're starting with an idea or a, a concept or you know words on a piece of paper, and then it really to get it on screen as a you know, final product. It's such a it's such an amazing process. And yeah, it, it it involves so many people on so many different levels. Um and yeah, it's it's I've I've been doing this, you know, ten ish years now and, you know, it never ceases to amaze me, uh, you know, what you start with just, you know, talking about an idea or something like that, like this project, you know, I'm sure it's gonna be so exciting when it's finally finished because we start out and we're just talking, you know, We know that, you know, viewers are writing in and they want to see, you know, a certain area that they don't see on television. They want to see more people, um, you know, doing what they're interested in and doing what they're doing, uh, you know. And so that kind of starts like that. And then, you know, we start reading websites and going on message boards and forums and, you know, talking to people like you. And that kind of starts the ball rolling a little bit. And then people email in and sort of start telling us their stories. Um, and it really, you know, it really is amazing what can come of that, you know, once you find a group of people who, you know, when it all works out and you make the show and then, it, you know, it goes on television and millions of people watch it and are captivated by the stories, you know, it's really, um, that's a great feeling and it's really cool to be a part of it. So, you know, again, this, I know that this is, this is probably one of the most unique projects that I've worked on. Um, it's definitely you know it's a tall order in many ways uh to find people who are you know willing to do this and interested and have the stories that we're looking for but um again i'm just really looking forward to hearing from to hearing from everyone uh you know to tell me what you know the show should be about and tell me about their lives
1: would you have uh, you have a you would you like to uh, answer some questions
3: i can do my best i can try
1: <laughs> all right okay here we go Hold on. Okay, area code 951, uh, you got some questions for uh, Cheyenne? Oh, hold on. Let me try this again. There we go. <clears throat> well, the, the switchboard is kind of funky sometimes. There you go, area uh, code 951, you're on the air? Hello? <laughs> yeah, you got us. We're here. We're on the air. Do
4: you have some questions for uh, Miss Dillenberger? Yeah, I tuned into the program late, but Could you tell me, uh, please, why you chose this topic for your program, Uh, the producer, please?
3: Hi. Yeah, I – you know what? I I personally did not choose the topic, um, but I worked for the company um, that was actually uh, hired by uh, the television network to do the topic. And from what I've heard, uh, the topic came out of, you know, viewers writing in on, you know, message boards um, for shows like Gold Rush, Alaska – Um, Mm -hmm. saying that they wanted to see more of that kind of stuff. So they want to see more people who are, you know, doing, uh, you know, different sort of ways to get money, living different sort of lives. You know, they're they're not doing, you know, a nine-to-five. They're not, uh, you know, living in the suburbs. They're kind of doing this adventure adventurous spirit um, pioneering kind of stuff that, you know, we think in modern society doesn't – you can't do that anymore. That's, you know – who does that? But actually, there's a lot of people who are doing it and working. It's working for them, and they're actually finding that it's more satisfying, um, you know, than what you might think. So I think that that's kind of where it came from. And again, you know, I've I'm a part of a, te- a big team that's all working together to just try to find stories of people um, who are doing that sort of thing.
1: Well, there you go. So is this something that uh, you think you would like to do? Who Who is this? Is this uh, one of the
4: uh... Is this one of our apple seed folks? Yeah, this is a California apple seeder. This is Francis Marion. Oh, hey, Francis Marion. How are you doing? Hey, doing good, Scout. Thank you for the good work you do for us every week, too, by the way.
1: Well, listen, my pleasure. I wouldn't be doing it uh, if it wasn't for you guys. So it's always my pleasure to to bring you guys together and uh, and to speak to you guys. Well, what do you think, uh, Francis Marion? Does this sound like uh, something for you? Because I, I know a lot of people think uh, California and the immediate picture they get in their mind is of uh, surf dudes and uh, stuff like that. But I know California has uh, some of the largest concentrations of uh, uh, of prepping folks that they, that there is in the nation. So is this something that uh, that uh, is appealing to you?
4: Yeah, very appealing to me. Uh, I don't know how well my family would uh, fit this mold <laughs> but if I knew somebody who I thought would fit I'd definitely mention it to them well
1: uh, make sure you uh, that you copy the uh, the email for this and let's see and Cheyenne, give out the uh, uh, the website oh, Here I've got it right here it's rawtelevision.co.uk that's the uh website for the uh uh the for raw television i'm sure you can just google raw television and uh, you'll get to it and you said that uh uh or did you say that they were still doing uh locked up abroad
3: yeah they make um locked up abroad is on the national geographic channel and that's been on you know i think it's been on probably at least five or six seasons um again i don't I don't work on that show specifically, but that's something the company does make and you know i i I am a big fan of that show. I don't know if you're familiar with it, but I think that that's a very uh very interesting show and it i'm I'm surprised it took as long as it did to get something like that on air but um that tells stories of people who uh you know ended up in the you know, prison systems of other countries and and are very usually very harrowing stories. Of how they uh ended up getting back home uh if they did end up getting back home, so and listen guys I can tell show. you right
1: now that uh that is probably gonna be that show is gonna be a lot easier to get onto to than the show that uh miss Stillenberger's casting right now
2: <laughs> because
1: all you need to do is uh just uh, secrete some uh some drugs or uh, over ten thousand dollars in cash or anything like that on you. And then when you start going through the customs in uh, Columbia or something like that, let a little dribble out, and uh, <laughs> and they will they will be glad to take you into custody. I and mean, then five or six later, five or six years later, send an email to uh, Raw Television and tell them you're ready for your uh, fifteen minutes.
3: There you go, I and mean, then you'll you'll get a whole episode or maybe half an episode <laughs> to yourself. Yeah, make sure you're sweating a lot too while you're trying to get <laughs> Yeah
1: exactly now i have i i have seen the lock up abroad show, and uh I gotta tell you that uh it, you know in one way, I feel for those people because you know prison is no good no matter what you've done it's it's no good now I'm not saying that you don't deserve it for for some idiocy, but most of the people that uh, locked up abroad seems to feature are folks that uh that uh you know they have uh, there's some uh, compassionate angle that uh that they can somehow somehow connect you with because it'll usually be uh, somebody that uh is uh they're like the last person you you would expect to find in a prison. It's not hardened killers or anything like that. It's I think the one I saw had some jazz musician that uh that thought he could make a few extra bucks by smuggling something and ended up in a I don't know, South American prison somewhere and and uh, and he was, you know, scared to death and he shouldn't have, you know, he's not the kind of guy you'd ever Imagine it would last more than a few hours in prison. <clears throat> but uh, uh, I think that this project that you're working on now, and I haven't seen Gold Rush, uh, but I did try to uh, to read up some of it uh, about it before you came on. It does sound like a very uh, very interesting thing. And like you said, the the chance for somebody to, uh, especially if you're if you're at your wits' end and uh, and you need something. And this is something, and, and regardless of whether you find gold or not, it's going to change your life. And uh, and I'm sure that that's what those guys are experiencing. And I'm sure that if you uh, if you take the plunge and you send uh, Miss Dillenberger your uh, your email, and you happen to get selected, I can guarantee you it's going to change your life. So uh, all of you folks listening. Uh, even if you don't, even if you think that you don't have a uh, a chance in Hades for getting on there, you never know because uh, Cheyenne, didn't you just say that uh, these the folks that you're looking at can be from one end of the spectrum to the other,
4: right?
3: Absolutely, and I would say, you know, if any of this kind of piques your interest at all, you know, send me that email and let's just, you know, give it a chance to have a conversation because really, I think. Um, We always like to say in in the casting end of things, um, we don't really want to, usually we don't really want to be talking to people who want to be on reality television. We usually want to be talking to people who don't want to be on TV or don't think that they should be on TV, um, because usually those are the people that actually, uh, you know, have the real interesting stories. Um, And so, again, it's like if you don't think of yourself as somebody who should necessarily be on television or you don't think that what you've got doing you know going on is 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 the perfect thing um i would say if any of it you know strikes a chord or sounds you know familiar to you uh definitely shoot me an email and um no pun intended uh-huh. uh <laughs> <laughs> well i'm uh, sure that
1: i'm sure that if even if you're the person that in your mind is thinking uh man there's no way i could do this because i imagine that uh that I would have a nervous breakdown on the, you know, midway through this thing, et cetera, uh, you probably have as good a chance as as anybody else to get on there uh, because that's what, uh, you know, that's what a good reality TV show has is drama and, and conflict and, and everything else. If it was just a bunch of guys uh, who were like uh, the guys from Seven Brides from Seven Brothers, and they were living out in the middle of the woods, uh, chopping down trees, and living just fine without anybody. Until they went and stole some wives. Uh, although they, there's another good idea for you right there, Cheyenne. It's uh, <laughs> <I'm laughs> probably it not going to be a good show because they're all going to be happy. They're going to be singing songs. They're going to be doing just fine without anybody. So they need uh, they need some of you guys who are going to self-immolate and uh, and and just kind of boil apart at the seams and uh, and stuff like that. So.
3: Your words, not mine, no, I mean, you know here's the thing. I think uh, if anybody looks you know at their lives and and you know that if you're going to be if you're gonna be putting yourself in a challenging situation, um you know there will be a story there, there will be some you know challenges drama, um and you know we're not really you know we're not looking for uh, any sort of we're not looking to put a group of people who don't like each other out in a cabin in the woods so that they can yell at each other and fight over who gets, you know, more, you know, servings of food or not. Um, This isn't anything like that. Uh, You know, we're really looking for people who are, you know, independently minded, you know, know who they are, believe what they believe, um, you know, really do feel like there's a better way to be living, Um, you know, have a family or have friends that they can go do this with, uh you know have really been thinking about you know building their a new community a new you know a new version of the world for themselves just because you know you know you can do it and you think it will be better and and that's kind of who we're looking for and you know it's again it's not about screening and fighting or anything like that it's really about i mean you don't really have to make drama when it's going to be man versus nature or you know building anything (laughs) when it's got when when there's survival involved or when you're going off grid I mean there's nothing easy about that it's a very busy lifestyle Um, from what I've heard I myself um, am am using lots of electricity right now Um, but uh, (laughs) I, I will say I wasn't I was invited to go live on a yurt earlier today so you know you never know by the end of this everyone at work is saying that I'm going to end up Uh, Moving out in the middle of nowhere myself, so uh, it is very enticing even to me.
1: Well, after you after you hear about it, then you'll understand more the reasons why. Because living in New York, I'm telling you, that would just uh, uh, there's no way, there's absolutely no way I could do it. I don't care what kind of house you gave me or how much land. If I was living in New York City, uh, I would just be uh, uh, a mess because I, I just could. There's no way I could. There's no way I could do that. Breathing well, the I air think, that everybody else had already breathed and, uh, uh, uh it's Well, just, and I think uh, that,
3: you know, myself, too, there there have been moments definitely that shook me to the core, whether it was the blizzard that we had in New York last year that, you know, shut down our subways and the roads for many, many days, um, or, you know, the blackout that we had a few years before that. You know, living through that stuff, you really do realize um, you know, certain pros and certain cons about being in an urban environment when there are um, emergency situations like that. You know, you realize that feeling of being trapped, you know, <laughs> hits you right in the face. You know what I mean? It's like, okay, well, I'm stuck here now, you know, and, uh, okay, well, what do I have here? You know, I mean, for us, you know, we had um, Hurricane Irene was was going to hit uh, New York and they were telling everyone to prepare, and, you know, we had to go to the store uh, just to get you know a couple gallons of water, it wasn't something that we even had on hand, and it really makes you you know batteries for flashlights, things that you don't even think. Uh, I just did, it didn't cross my mind um, at all really before that, and then you know these things are kind of happening, oh, and it makes you realize go oh geez, maybe exactly I should have this thing ready to go. I'm talking about.
1: That's exactly what I'm talking about. Cheyenne is is not so much me being there because. Uh, if I was there, I would be prepared. But I, but, but now you're talking about uh, 10 million other folks who aren't, who don't have, they don't have water, they don't have food, they don't understand that uh, stores nowadays only have three days of food on the shelves. No matter what store it is, there's only three days of food on the shelves. After those three days, that's it. There's nothing else, and uh, and you have eight million hungry people. It's going to get nasty quick
3: and well, you're places? on an island.
1: <laughs> what do you think? Yeah, on an island too. And exactly. you're on an island.
3: Yeah. I mean, we have a car and it's like the car will do you no good. You're not going anywhere.
2: <laughs> oh, oh my god. That's laugh. Yeah. That's
3: no, very... we, you know, it's definitely it's it's crossed our mind more than a few times and uh, it's always a, it's always a very tense situation.
1: Yeah, because we have well, I'm not going to go into I'm not going to go into it a lot, but we have we have uh, uh, meetings every two weeks, uh, hashing out the the details for for us who live out here in the middle of nowhere. And it's already hard enough doing that. Uh, I can't imagine what it would be like to try and figure out how to fix uh, a bad situation in the city. It's already hard enough with just us out here living in the middle of nowhere, so. Man. Mm, mm, mm. Well, Francis, does this sound like something that uh, that you're getting ready to uh, sign up for?
4: Yeah, I'm going to turn my form in tonight. <laughs>
1: well, what uh, uh, what is the uh, – I, I, I haven't met you. I haven't been out to California uh, in the last few years. So what is, where do you guys live? What's your situation like? Are you guys in the city? Or are you uh, out – uh in the boonies where are you guys you don't have to tell me a specific place
4: yeah Just, we live uh, in a we live in a city in uh, orange county california so we have a pretty high population density here
1: uh yeah yeah that's uh, orange county is a pretty that's uh that's going to be a rough uh, situation there so well good thing that you're an apple cedar because uh you know apple cedars are Folks who have already taken uh, several steps to uh, uh, ensure they uh, their, have the right frame of mind to help safeguard the freedoms and liberties that living in the nation, this nation, affords us. So, so good. Uh, but you said you've got some other folks that you're going to send the information to. And uh, let me give the information to the call screener again so he can put it back onto the uh uh onto the website there uh call screener it's casting c a s t i n g at raw television one word dot c o dot u k casting at raw television dot c o dot u k and uh and cheyenne said for everybody out there everybody who has uh, any interest in this whether you think that uh, you're a candidate or not to uh shoot her an email and uh and she'll discuss she'll help you figure it out okay let me put it that way she'll help you figure it out if uh if you can if you need to go any further with this or not uh, and uh and just like she said if you are if you're a person who's dying to be on a reality tv show then uh then that may not be you it may be you it may be the folks that uh are sitting there listening tonight saying, "Oh man, there's no uh, there's no way I could do that or uh or there's no way I might think about that." Well, think about it for a minute. Think about it because just like we were talking about earlier that the folks who uh were on the last show on Gold Rush that I I guarantee you that uh, going to taking on a project like this is going to be a life-changing event and uh, anybody who does this uh, uh, I, I would be willing to bet that uh, that it will be uh, one of the high points of your life, and uh, and certainly something that some memories that you will. I'm not going to say cherish because you may not cherish them, but you'll certainly remember them. I guess the rest of your life, won't you? And uh, and I imagine it's going to end up uh, changing your life too, Cheyenne.
3: Oh, I'm sure it will. You know, I mean, it really, every project I've ever worked on, um, you know no matter what stage it is you know you you meet people that you never you know would have met in in your day-to-day life and you really have you know connections with people that you you know I have people all over the country that I've you know filmed with or talked to about whatever you know different projects and you know I I still get uh, Christmas cards from people and send them out myself and it really is it's a really cool experience and you know I really don't you know i I just I think it's a it's a cool thing and and to start the dialogue really again, I'll just say you know shoot me an email, we'll have a conversation um you know sending an email doesn't make you know you're not promising to do anything or be on the show or lock down or sign a contract or anything like that, so you know it really is just kind of a starting conversation, and we are really you know we really do need to kind of have this you know outreach because we don't know. What's out there it's kind of, you know we're doing a journalistic uh investigation or you know research for a documentary. It really is you know who's out there, what's out there um you know tell us because that's that's the only way that we're gonna find out
1: well, I started laughing because you were talking about the lockdown thing and uh and I believe that's kind of how this got started is because we got an email from you, and uh uh I responded jokingly. <laughs> because uh, I was kind of viewing it as a as a way to smooth out the operations at Appleseed. That uh, I think I offered to help uh, uh, Mrs. Dillenberger to uh, like abduct and subdue some of the folks uh, uh, that were more hard to get along with in the Appleseed project. If she would take them and take them to a foreign country and put it on TV, so that we could uh, get some gratification by watching. Uh them experience difficulties, so uh and uh she 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 did decline to do that, but uh <laughs> so we brought her on the show instead. We're still hoping though that that might still happen, you know that some of the folks uh might still just volunteer for this and be selected, so we could get we could still get lucky, yeah,
3: I mean, they'll be off the grid, so
1: you won't hear from them for who knows how long. <laughs> Well, how about uh, how about giving us, uh, and I know that you don't have anything set in stone right now, but do you have any kind of uh, a timetable for this?
3: Yeah, you know, ideally we do have some um, uh, goals we're trying to hit. Um, let's see. So this coming week we're accepting submissions and we'll be reviewing them and talking to people uh, as best we can. I have, again, I have two people that I'm working with and, you know, for the most part, I'm going, to be, I'm going to be getting everyone's emails, I'm going to be, you know, emailing back, setting up phone calls, and doing all that for the next week, week and a half or so. And then after um, the end of uh, the second week of January, we're going to have a little uh, sort of summit with our bosses and just kind of see what we've found and who, who is kind of standing out to us. Um, and then from there, you know, we usually do some preliminary filming with people Um, And, you know, hopefully by the end of the month, uh, you know, we have a goal to show some of the standout people um, to the network and and see what they think. And, you know, I think, again, it's sort of a long process and a lot of things can uh, be thrown into the works to start and stop it. But, you know, ideally it would be something that we would be filming this spring through the summer, um, you know, with the right people. So, you know, if it again, if we find the right people, it can kinda of get moving pretty quickly. Um, but it it's all about finding the right people. So that's really right. where the where the where the, the time the timeline hinges on that.
1: Okay, so the the project uh and like I said, nobody's uh, nobody's holding you to to anything you're saying now because it's all uh pretty much up in the air. But it's a possibility that uh if the if you met all the requirements uh that you need that uh, filming could begin as early as the spring and then go into the summer. And is that uh, basically, this isn't like a, uh, and any idea of where it's going to be?
3: Again, that's going to be dictated by um, the people who are on the show. You know, where do they want to go? It really is where, you know, we are trying to keep our hands out of it as much as possible and really be there Um, you know, to document and to tell the story, but we're not doing anything. At this point, it's not our our plan or, or, you know, we have no agenda to sort of make it, like, survivor or anything like that. So it really is. We really are looking for people who want to do this, and we'll kind of tag along and film it as it happens. Um, We're not, you know... The way that it is now is that we're not, you know, we're not looking to pick a bunch of different people and throw them on an island somewhere. It's really um, a different show than that.
1: Okay, and uh, all right. Well, then, so you, you basically answered the question because I was going to ask uh, like the length of time and stuff. But, but what you're saying is is that really right now it's in the it's the project is. Uh, is it's already kind of you, you've thought out the parameters of it, but it's still in its infancy as far as the the skeleton of what it's going to be, and uh, and that will be dictated to a great deal by uh, by the powers that be and by the the folks who end up getting cast.
3: Absolutely, yeah. You know, we will change uh, to certain degrees for what will work with the people that we're, we've cast, you know. So if we have a group of people who are amazing and we really want to tell their story and they can't or won't, you know, move or start their project until a certain date, then, you know, we can be pretty flexible, um, you know, to make that happen. And, you know, there's just it's, it's really going to depend on, on who who we're working with. And, it, you know, I really do see all all of this, these types of shows as collaborations, Um and that's kind of, you know, we're looking for people to help us make a good show by putting their lives on camera, and so we all you know ultimately we want them to be happy with the process and the product, because, um, you know, we want it to come back for a second season, and if they're not happy, they're not going to come back for a second season, so we really want it to be something that works for everyone um, and is a, a positive experience, and again, life-changing for sure, no matter um, what happens, um, and, you know, I think... The potential for some really great stuff to come out of it, if you know everyone is uh, patient for the process and um, you know it's sort of in for the ride, I guess I'd say.
1: Okay, and we've got uh, if uh, if you'd like to ask a question, we'll get a few more minutes. If you'd like to call in, the number is three four seven three zero eight eight seven nine zero. I don't know how much time uh, Cheyenne has left, but uh, if you get if you call fairly quickly, I'm sure we'll uh, be glad to get you on three four seven three zero eight eight seven nine zero and uh the uh, the website or the email address is let's see here i've got it right here casting c s t i n g at raw television one word dot c o dot u k if you'd like to send uh uh mrs miss dillenberger a email uh with your with your ideas of uh of what you would like to do and why you'd like to do it and why you should be living uh wherever in the middle of nowhere in a tree because it's better because you can make it a better world by living in that tree or by having your family somewhere else then uh then she well, she wants to hear that she wants to read your emails so send them to her and uh she said that uh, the next uh, week or so they're gonna be going through these emails and uh and I'm sure you know you said you're gonna talk you'll answer everybody as far as you'll let them know that you got their email and you're and that you're reading it right
3: yeah absolutely uh, I'll email back and let you know I got it. I'll probably um ask you some questions you know it's it's great when you when you send the email, do explain your situation just a little bit that helps um you know you don't have to spend too much time on it. Uh, But, you know, something that can kind of help me understand where you're coming from and what your plans are would be great. And, uh, you know, I get a lot of these, so uh, the funnier the better. If you can uh, throw throw a little uh, personality in it, that's always uh,
4: more entertaining
3: for me to be very selfish. Um, But, yeah, I'll I'll email you back, and I'm going to do my best, you know, to set up calls with people um, as quickly as possible uh, you know, and uh, kind of take it from there. And you know, it really is just about getting to know everyone and and hearing their stories and and their opinions. And and you know, we are again looking for people who have strong personalities, are comfortable with who they are. Um, you know, are not afraid to tell me you know what they feel and tell it tell it like it is. Uh, that's always helpful. Um, and you know, again, yeah, that you think you really have a, a good plan and in our really, uh, even if you're not 100% sure you're going to do it, have thought it out a little bit about what you would do. That um, that would be ideal for us. And, you know, I also think, you know, anybody who's got multiple families that are going out to do this together or friends um, or even your extended family, uh, you know, that's always helpful. If it's, you know, more than just one person, um, you know, that's a little bit better for us just because then you'll have someone to talk to. Uh, <laughs> which which uh, helps uh, for television. Um, but, yeah, you know, again, anyone who's out there and, and is, you know, thinks that there's a new, better way and, and is, you know, fed up maybe with the way things are going in the country, the status quo, um, for whatever reasons you have, you know, I want to hear those reasons, and uh, we'll take it from there.
1: Well, I think that uh, I'm going to make sure that I submit uh... – Johnny Appleseed and Savage Shooters, uh names for this because uh they're two great people that could do this and uh, I'm actually just kidding. Now they they may want to do it. But Johnny uh, Johnny Appleseed's one of our instructors. He's a great guy, but he he's gotta be the the absolutely most sharp dressed appleseder I've ever met. So uh I'm not I'm not uh I'm not betting a whole lot that he'll end up there because uh uh, he's a uh, he's a very sharp dressed man, but then again, he may. So uh, appleseed the uh, Savage Shooter and Johnny Appleseed, and let's see who else. Uh, Western Rose uh, and her family. Now that's a they're a good bet. These guys might do it because they're already living out in the middle of nowhere in uh, Idaho. The whole family, and they're a whole family of uh, of independent minded uh, folks. And I bet that they would. Uh, I bet they would. Uh, you'll be hearing from them. And, uh, I would love to. And my partner here at Battle Road, Mark, I, I, I talked to him about it, and he said uh, uh, the only way he could do it is uh, is if it's somewhere that uh, the temperature isn't below 70 degrees and there's a flush toilet.
3: <laughs> well, that doesn't sound – I mean, here's the thing. You know, again, it doesn't have to be uh, rustic, uh, you know, Pioneer living style it can be whatever you you know it doesn't again, I think that off the grid now most people know can be many things um you know I'm talking to people who are off the grid but are on internet or on you know what I mean so it's really oh, exactly. um, it it can be many many things, and I think the full spectrum is is great, and I want to talk to everyone and and again you know it doesn't have to be that you're just moving there to live there it can be that you're you know you're moving there because you want to set up um you know uh some sort of uh marksmanship training school, and you wanna have people come out there and learn uh you know these skills and uh lessons and kind of do what you guys do on the road, but in one in one place and you just need it to be um you know away from people because it's easier or because you need the space or something like that you know we're we're really open to a lot of different um reasons and plans, and we wanna hear. What those all could be, because that, you know that's really um, the exciting part for us. We don't want to tell people what the show is. We want you guys to tell us what it is.
1: Right, and I uh, and I've seen plenty of folks who uh, folks who are, who are off the grid. Who you walk to their house, and uh, there's no way that you would know that because it looks like a uh, a very high priced. Uh, uh... you know modern home uh... with everything all the amenities maybe not uh, television but some of them had television satellite stuff like that But their electricity came from their own uh... generated uh... sources and uh... everything that they did was uh... you know they were not uh, in any way connected to any other services electrical water anything and uh... they were living at uh... A pretty fantastic life there so, uh and i didn't think about that but you're absolutely right i mean off the grid uh doesn't mean uh roughing it so so you guys have a uh, pretty wide spectrum of uh of available uh or the applicants can be from any spectrum so Absolutely
3: you know i'd say uh, i'd say the only thing you have to have is that real sort of uh, pioneer adventure spirit where you're, you know, you're really willing to kind of face challenge and do something a little bit uh, off the beaten path or a little bit different. Um, you know, I think that, you know, the independent-minded person is really who we're looking for. So um, that would be probably the only really solid criteria.
1: Okay. And once again, uh, for you folks, I know that uh, not everybody uh, goes into the uh, the online area but and a lot of folks are going to get this uh through archive because we'll get uh we'll probably get a couple of thousand folks just on archive on uh on this without getting the the uh chat. So let me give you the uh the address again. The email address is casting C A S T I N G at Raw Television, one word dot C O dot UK and for more information about uh, about what they do, or some of the programs and stuff that they're involved in, you can go to rawtelevision.co.uk, or just uh, just do your Google for uh, raw television, and that'll take you that'll take you to them. These are the folks that uh, put together uh, Locked Up Abro- Abroad and uh, uh, Gold Rush, and then uh, they also do a lot of stuff uh, for BBC, right?
3: Yeah, you know, I'm, uh, I'm not too familiar with the stuff they do in the U.K. Um, I work in the New York office, so I'm, I'm more familiar with the stuff they do um, here. But, yeah, you know, if you go to that website, you'll see they've done everything from feature Lakes documentaries um, to, you know, specials. Gold Rush Alaska is um, in its second season on Discovery Channel right now, um, so you can definitely check that out. Um, but, you know, they do a lot of different sort of investigative pieces, um and you know everything from what they call factual to entertainment, so you know there's a lot of different stuff on there, and you know they're an award winning um company, and you know i'm uh, really excited for this project and I think you know it is a really um it is a really refreshing and interesting process to be going through with them um you know to really be looking for people to tell their stories um and not trying to sort of force any um, situations or anything like that so uh, you know I feel like they're great storytellers and um, you know have the ability to, to make this a really great project
1: okay uh, and I want
3: to thank, thank you so much and thank all of your listeners for letting me uh, gab for so long um, and uh, you know I hope to be hearing from, from all of you
1: alright well listen thank you too and uh, and we've given out the uh, all the information and stuff guys so uh, if you guys, if any of the folks that are listening, if you'd like to do it, then, uh, have no fears, uh, jump in with both feet, and, uh, I know that all of you all know somebody, uh, some of the folks that you associate with, or your, your weird uncle, or, uh, anything like that, then, uh, you can, uh, give them the information, pass it on, so that, uh, you too can have some involvement in this, you can, uh, you can be the people that uh that uh, help discover uh the next uh, reality show uh, folks for the uh for the uh, reality show uh networks out there <laughs> well Cheyenne, uh you got anything else that you want to uh, to let anybody know what about uh uh and I think you already mentioned this or so you kind of and I know that you can't say anything about this but uh, but you kind of hinted at it already when you talked about the gold rush folks, and that is that uh that that there would i'm sure possibly some type of uh uh of a paycheck for this right?
3: yeah, you know that's um definitely not my area um for negotiating or anything like that. Uh, I am just a casting producer, but um it has been my experience people do get an appearance fee, Um, you know, there's a, you know, they get an appearance fee to be on the show. Uh, I don't know what that is. Uh, And that's, you know, sort of a long road, again. So if you get selected for the show, then there will be a contract drafted and everyone should have lawyers um, and, you know, work it out
1: that way and not, not my not my uh... Forte, my, my area of expertise but, um, all Right. well that, that's all you gotta say i mean i i yeah. i i i wouldn't expect you to even say that much but i i just wanted <laughs> to uh... to get that in there that that usually in most cases it has been historically uh... a uh... that there has been some type of remuneration for this so and we'll just leave it at that so uh, I, I doubt that they're going to ask you to uh, to pay your way to to live in uh, some kind of thing, et cetera. Or you may just be doing it for free because you want other people to uh, to see what a wonderful life you created. <clears throat> but uh, and then, of course, like she said, then everybody can get lawyers and machetes and uh, <laughs> and hack it out. <laughs>
3: yeah, that's okay. exactly the fun part. That's that's the not fun part for me.
1: <laughs> right. Well, Cheyenne, thank you so much for uh, for coming on and uh, letting the folks uh, letting the folks know what's getting ready to go on. And uh, I'm sure that uh, there'll be some folks contacting you soon. And uh, we wish you the best of luck with your show and uh, a happy new year.
3: Thank you, and Merry Christmas and Happy
1: New Year to to you guys too. All right. Thank you, ma'am. Have a good night. Bye. Okay, you too. Bye bye. All right. Uh, okay, so you got it there. That's this is everybody's chance to uh to become a reality show uh superstar. And uh I told you that uh I mentioned it to my family and uh, and I was surprised because my family is all for the idea. They're getting ready right now. There, uh, my daughter Kathleen is uh, busy uh, chewing on some raw leather to soften it up so she can make her some uh, some leather shoes uh, and uh, and stuff like that. My my other daughter Caroline is very busy. Uh, Filling up a uh, a pillowcase with Hershey's Kisses, so she'll have something to eat while she's there. So, <laughs> so this is your chance. Be sure and send a uh, <clears throat> an email to uh, Miss Dillenberger at casting at rawtelevision.co.uk. All right. <laughs> okay, uh, and. Francis, are you still there? Yeah, I'm still here. Okay. Did you have uh anybody that you wanted to uh to say thanks to in the California program or any announcements you'd like to make about California or or, or anything at all you'd like to say to the folks?
4: Yeah, just uh, just let me touch on what I what I uh, began the uh speaking to you about and that's just to thank you for what you do for us every week. And, Scout, what you do is you give everybody a chance to say thank you for the people in their state and on their teams who are doing great things, and that's good. But uh, let's turn that back around at you. And I think I speak for many people in this program who look forward to your radio broadcast and who are anxious to get the latest updates and, and find out what's going on and who's doing what. And you give that to us every week, Scout. And in addition to your busy life, you've got a working ranch, you got you got your things and your family that you're doing, you make time for this every weekend. I really take my hat off to you, and I say thank you. Well,
1: well, you're you're more than welcome, and 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 I appreciate you saying that. And I'll tell you this day that uh, that I was uh, I was busy this evening, and I started working on a new on another project, uh, one of the uh, ten thousand that I have unfinished here, and uh, and I. And my wife happened to ask me something. I don't remember what it was, and and I realized that uh, I, I had the show ready, but I completely forgotten that I was supposed to do it. And uh, you know, I had a, like a little heart stopping moment there where I was thinking, "Oh my gosh, uh, what day is it? What time is it?" And uh, and rushed in to hurry up and make sure that I was ready. Now I had plenty of time to do it, but uh, but you're right. I it's every. Uh, Every Thursday night, it used to be every Tuesday night, now it's every Thursday night, <clears throat> and uh, the show must go on. And uh, and speaking of the show going on, I want to remind everybody again that we're going to have uh, as our guest next Thursday night is uh, Dr. Uh, Hackett Fisher, who wrote uh, Paul Revere's Ride, which is our textbook, our unofficial textbook that we use. And I'm going to ask him about getting some of the royalties uh From him uh, since we're uh, doing such a good job On selling that book And uh, he's going to be on to talk about uh, His book, his Pulitzer Prize winning book By the way uh, Washington's Crossing And I asked him to be on at this time of year Because this is the time of year That That the events At uh, Trenton and Princeton went on You know in the dead of winter 1776-1777 And uh, And he's going to come on and talk about that this next Thursday and uh Dr. Fisher is always a, a great guest and he's a great guy to talk to and he's extremely intelligent and uh, very very knowledgeable uh about the events of uh the American Revolutionary War about about a great wide uh, range of things and a, yesterday we were discussing uh uh the because one of the things that I was always curious about is, you know, we talk about all the folks at the North Bridge in Concord. We say, wow, you know, these guys, uh, <clears throat> they fired off a, a volley and down went uh, <clears throat> uh, eight guys right off the bat. But if, now if you look at the battle, you'll see that, uh, that there were approximately three companies, of uh, British regulars, there at the North Bridge. And if you've been to the North Bridge, you can see it's much the same now as it was then. You have uh, uh, the path leading to the bridge uh, is uh, is depressed. It's uh, it's kind of below ground. They have a stone wall on each side, and that's what kept them bunched together, where well, they were down in uh, in kind of a sunken road bed with a stone wall on each side of them. Now you have the colonist from uh, Concord who marched down off the hill. Now, you can still get to the hill. It's off on – you can't see it anymore because uh, that whole area is is now forest, uh, much different than it was 236 years ago. But uh, there is a trail, I believe, that they keep open heading up that way. <clears throat> anyway, they march down off the hill, and they cross the T, which is a naval term for what exi- what you want to happen, which is to have all of your guns facing the enemy. Uh, in a a naval battle where you can give them a broadside and yet they can't fire at you. And that's exactly what they did. They had uh, approximately uh, 500 guys strung out where they could fire all onto the British regulars that were clumped together there. And those guys could only, only the front ranks could fire back. And so I've always thought, well, that's good, but you know if you have uh, 500 guys firing at the broad side of the barn then you'd you'd like to have uh, you know 250 or so of them of them hit it and <clears throat> what we were talking about was uh, uh the work of uh SLA Marshall and uh Colonel Grossman and the the information that both of them had found that uh they only had statistics for world war Two, uh and the the rest of the information they, that they could gather was only anecdotal and that for uh world war one and the spanish american and the uh civil war and that is that in world war Two, approximately uh, there was only approximately 10 percent of the soldiers were actually firing at the enemy right only 10% of our troops were actually firing at the enemy. There were a great deal of folks who were firing, but not at anybody, or at least not at anybody in particular. They may have been pointing their their rifles in a general direction, or maybe they weren't. Maybe they were shooting into the dirt in front of them or or over the enemy's head. All right. And then there were even a greater number of soldiers who were not firing at all. So you look back at uh, the battles of World War II, and you see the tremendous carnage that was created, and then you have to uh, you have to reconcile that with the fact that uh, that only approximately 10 percent of the soldiers were actually shooting at the enemy with an intent to cause bodily damage or to kill them, and uh, and that becomes fairly amazing because. It makes you wonder what would happen if ninety percent of the troops had been firing at the enemy with the intent to to kill or cause them bodily damage. What would have happened then? Would have made the war uh, over sooner. And what about this? What about if every one of them were riflemen, and uh, they were riflemen, and they had the uh, and they had the intent to do damage. So that will make you think a lot more. And the problem is, is that the folks at Concord and the folks at all the battles uh, from World War II, World War One, the American uh, Civil War, they were not. There's a there's a great inhibition that's inherent in humans, and there has to be against killing another member of your own species, because uh, because organisms that have no inhibitions about destroying members of their own species don't seem to do so well unless they have uh, unless every organism has uh 100,000 offspring, right? Otherwise, you would cause yourself to go in uh, go instinct. So there has to be an inhibition against it and it's it's good that there is, but uh, the folks who fight in uh, the wars and who fought in World War 1 and World War 2 and the American Civil War and the American Revolutionary War they 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 weren't killers they weren't murderers they they were just regular folks they didn't want to hurt anybody it was one of the furthest things from their minds was to actually hurt someone else so you put that on top of uh on top of a musket which uh which you're good to about uh, 70 yards or so. Uh, you know, around 70 yards or so is about the distance where you can say, uh, yeah, I'm going to hit something at this distance. Uh, and uh, the distance they were firing from was a little bit over that. And uh, and that starts to be able to reconcile the, the casualties with the number of folks firing. Uh, <clears throat> the, the folks, uh, after the Battle of Gettysburg, they went out and they gathered the the firearms, the uh, the muskets, off the battlefield, and uh, I believe, if I'm if I'm right, I believe that they may have gathered up 26 or 27,000 uh, rifles from the folks who had uh, been killed or injured or who threw them down and ran. <clears throat> and surprisingly enough, they found out that. A great deal of them, I believe actually more than, uh, much more than half, had not been fired. They'd been loaded, and they were ready to fire, but they hadn't been fired. Now, the first thing you want to think of is you say, well, that person probably got shot before they could squeeze the trigger. Well, that would account for some of them, but it wouldn't account for all of them. And it certainly wouldn't account for the thousands of uh, rifles that they found that had been double-loaded or triple loaded, or loaded four times, or five times, or seven times. And we're not talking about a few. We're talking about thousands. And the uh, and the the several, uh, I believe it was a hundred or more, that had been loaded over seven, uh, over 15 times, right? So what does that tell you? It tells you that that person was going through the motions. They were putting in uh, the powder, putting in the cartridge, ramming it home, and putting it up to their shoulder, and go through the motions, but they didn't squeeze the trigger, and then they would go through it again. They would go through it again, and the information that they found, at least from World War II, the only place that this wasn't true was from the soldiers who were serving on crew-served weapons. That means if you had uh, two or three guys that were working a 30 caliber or a 50 caliber or something like that, that they were not. Uh, failing to fire they were not missing because they had someone there who was witnessing them they're watching them and so they were doing their duty they were doing their job whether they wanted to or not they were doing it because they were expected to do it and they had someone witnessing it now they found the same things out <clears throat> from different units especially uh... the units like the uh... the scottish units uh... and uh in uh, the American Revolutionary War and uh and several of the other wars uh, at the around the same time period because the folks uh in those units they came they all came from the same towns they all were either related or they knew each other and when one of the individuals uh failed to live up or meet the requirements of a soldier or what they considered to be a soldier then his name would be posted uh, in the public area, in the commons, in his hometown. So, in order to uh, to escape that uh, humiliation, then he fought as a soldier was uh, expected to fight. Now, in the chaos of uh, of thousands of men together on a battlefield, eh, it's going to be hard to tell whether anybody is. Uh, is shooting at what they're supposed to be shooting at or not. And the only way that this was changed was uh, at the end of Korea and in the beginning and during the course of the Vietnam War, where American soldiers were taught to shoot at human-like targets. And this helped to break down their inhibitions against shooting at another person they were taught to shoot at uh human type targets, and then of course you know you you hear all the stories in basic training of how they were uh they were taught to be killers and it was plugged into their head uh to do that and that that was acceptable et cetera. now that changed the uh uh dramatically changed the number of folks who were actually firing their weapons at the enemy uh now uh, you can say that that changed the the data as far as them firing at the enemy. Now whether they were hitting the enemy, that's it's a completely different story. All right, because of the uh, the different staggering amounts uh uh you get of the uh number of rounds expended versus the uh uh the enemy kill in action. You know it uh and you hear different things but one of the common numbers uh that put out is over one million rounds of ammunition per a uh, enemy KIA in Vietnam, <clears throat> which is a great amount, and uh, of course a lot of that's because of uh, uh, the they're fighting in the jungle and uh, and can't see who they're shooting at, etc. <clears throat> but a great deal of it is that, uh, uh, is that there's uh, there has n- there has not been as much emphasis on. Marksmanship, as I think that there should be in the military, and I know that they're doing a lot more nowadays for it. But I can tell you from uh, when I was in that uh, that even though uh, I was that day, I was all, I was always in a combat MOS, and uh, and uh, even the days when I was running in uh, 11B, the uh, uh, the combat instrument that you don't get. Uh, you get very little trigger time, you get very little instruction. And, uh, and I only got any additional instruction after I'd wormed my way and wormed my way further and further into uh, special ops. And even then, one of the only reasons I got uh, uh, any additional instruction was because I kept volunteering for different uh, firearms and ended up doing uh, – the combat biathlons with uh, M fourteens and stuff like that. Otherwise you get very little uh rifle marksmanship, which I have always amazed me because uh that is supposed to be the job of our men is to defend this nation with rifles if needed and uh, and hopefully the Apple project can help change that. Uh and the more that you guys go out and uh and invite American soldiers to attend free, then the better we're going to do. Uh, Francis, got some more you want to jump in with?
4: Uh, So, Scott, have you been to Battle Road? Have you taken the tour? Oh, oh,
1: (laughs) okay. I was uh, was just thrown off a little bit. You know, that's a name that we gave to our – our shooting company here is Battle Road uh, Shooting Center, and uh, and one of the reasons is because of that is because of Battle Road there in uh, Massachusetts. And yes, uh, I didn't take the tour, but uh, I gave my family the tour, and uh, we started off at uh, Lexington Green, and I think I told you guys this before that uh, that uh, I gave my family the mission of uh scooping up some dirt from Lexington Green. And so I said, All right, everybody scatter out. Don't make it don't make it obvious. And uh so we scattered out across there, we're digging up uh different uh you know, little dirt with twigs and stuff and get it and I said, Well, I'm gonna get some from over at the graves. And I went over to the graves and I stuck my hand in between the bars and started scratching down to, to the dirt to get to the dirt because it felt like there was gravel on top. And uh, so I'm scratching down to get to the dirt, and to my horror, I'm scratching in a big pile of change because people have been throwing change onto the graves, and I was horrified, and I took off immediately because I thought, oh my gosh, uh, that's the last thing I need is to you know the newspaper to read. Apple Cedar gets caught stealing money from graves of uh, you know the, the heroes of like Lexington Green, and uh, but we got some dirt there. We went to the tavern we went uh uh to the north bridge at concord we went uh to punk Tasset hill we went to the uh uh to the other homes there uh I scooped up uh, uh several gallons of water from the uh that had passed under the north bridge and then we listened to the national park service folks give the uh, the history
3: of the events
1: at the north bridge which and some of which I disagreed with because uh, one of the things they said was that <clears throat> the troops returning from uh, uh, from Barrett's Farm the British regulars who were returning from Barrett's Farm once they heard the gunfire there that they were able to pass uh, back into town because the militia was so confused that they were wandering around and and they didn't see them and uh and we know that that's not the case. The case is is that the uh, the militia was still operating because at this point there wasn't it wasn't a full on war yet because we know that the North Bridge wasn't the third strike of the match. They were still operating under the conditions of do not fire unless fired upon. They let them pass by because they didn't shoot at them. Uh, if they would have shot at them, there would have been no confusion. They would have been wiped out. And uh, and then we went uh then we walked along the the road back to Merriam's corner and then uh and then continued on uh at different sections and we passed by the the graves of the British regulars that are still there and then then the uh, British folks who visit still plant uh uh union jacks at the graves and uh And it it was a great time, and the kids all enjoyed it. And and what about you? You're asking because I know you've been there.
4: Yeah, yeah. My wife and I went there last year. We loved it. And I'd like to mention to every American family who may be listening to your broadcast, it's absolutely free. It's a national treasure. All you have to do is simply show up, experience it, and learn. You don't have to pay a cent. It's not like going to the Grand Canyon where you drop your 20 bucks at the entrance and then you can go visit your, your national park. Oh, no. This one is free. That's so right. If you to take your family, I highly recommend it. That's right.
1: And it's one thing to read about the history, it's another thing completely to stand there where it occurred. All right. Listen, we got uh, the English ladies in my ear telling me we got 90 seconds. I want to thank everybody for calling in. I want to thank our guest, uh, Cheyenne Dillenberger. I want to thank you, Francis Marianne. I want to thank our call screener. And let me give you guys out the. Uh, the correct order for the firearms, the first one was an uh, H&R M1 Garand. The second one was a Mossberg 835 Ultimag. And the third one was a uh, Number 1 Mark III Lee Enfield. That's the uh, the three firearms. At the beginning of the show, I, I worked the action on each one of them and asked folks to, uh, to see if they could tell me which one was which. And, uh... <laughs> And we didn't get, we almost got a correct answer, but not quite. Listen, thanks, everybody. Thank you, Francis. Uh, Thanks to the call screener, who's here every week with me. And uh, we'll see you guys next week, Thursday, January the 5th, 7 p.m. Central. Be sure to be there for Dr. David Haskett Fisher. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year's, everyone, and good night. (laughs)
2: Point. <laughs>